launch week is coming. Godzilla Media, so excited. On Monday, May 10th, we begin launch week. Some of you are confused. Guys, what in the world is launch week? More podcasts, more contributors, more content coming your way. Be on the lookout. Follow us on Twitter. Well, me, at SomGoz, T-O-M-G-O-Z-Z. Getting there with Goz on Instagram and our YouTube channel has been rebranded. It's now Godzilla Media. If you head over to the same setup we've had before, you see new logos, new playlists, things like that. More people are coming to this. You've been asking for certain things. I've seen the texts and the emails. Guys, when are you going to talk about this? When are you going to talk about that? I've been so fortunate that people have reached out and wanted to be a part of what we're doing. Godzilla Media expands. So if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, do that. Be on the lookout on our social medias because more stuff is coming. Get ready for Godzilla Media Launch Week. New podcasts, new people to listen to. And all these things are going to be so exciting for the future here of Godzilla Media. So, launch week coming up on Monday, May 10th. Check out all our social media platforms. And until then, let's get into this episode of Getting There with Goss. Joining us now, Bobby Trossett from Baltimore. I know he's from the Capital Region. We're about to get that in a second. Well, we have Bobby joining us. And Bobby, I'm familiar with you, but some listening may not be. Take us to a young Bobby Trossett. Tell us where he grew up and what you want to be when you were six, seven, eight years old. <laughs> What's up, guys? Yeah, I appreciate up? you having me on, man. Uh, the ticker's going here. You got all the, <laughs> the, the swagger with this with this broadcast. I'm thrilled to, to see you launching this. And, and thanks again for having me. But yeah, I mean, you and I crossed paths kind of right around the start of, of my journey. Would have been the summer between sophomore and junior year at Loyola University. For those that aren't familiar, it's, it's down in Baltimore where I am now. We'll get there. But uh, yeah, from Albany, New York, went to school at Bethlehem Central if you're local. Um, you know, my Michael Jordan story is that I got cut from the varsity basketball team because I'm, I'm 5'8 on a good day, couldn't really dribble. Love to hit the three ball, but they needed somebody who could do everything, and that was not me. So, uh, unfortunately, they decided – well, I guess I could say fortunately because it's it's this is my career now. But instead of playing on the, the team, I got an invite to be essentially the MC, to be their announcer. And, guys, although it's uh, – I look back at it with a sour taste in my mouth, I mean, that was really the moment where I said to myself, hmm, I wonder if – and not necessarily announcing – basketball games like the PA guy but hmm, I wonder if like broadcasting could be something that I'd be interested in that's sort of the the the, the gist of it there's obviously been a, a lot in between uh, a couple Olympics a, a brief stint with NBC Sports Washington down in DC but pleased to be getting ready for my third season with the Ravens and anchoring their pre-half and post-game shows down here in Baltimore so that's what's going on I've taught you very well with all those teases you've left out on the table for the next few segments of this podcast, and I appreciate that. You've learned very well. You also learned at Loyola in Maryland. That's called the transition into segue for the young listeners there. Usually, like when we talk about New York natives, we talk about Syracuse or Oswego or Ithaca, some of these traditional broadcasting schools. You decided not to attend any of those schools, but instead Loyola. Why did you decide to go to the Maryland route? Yeah, it's a great question because – we both know, having been in this business a bit, that every other person 
is the Cuse, is the Northwestern grad. And I got a chip on my shoulder, to be honest with you, dude, because while I have a, a lot of respect for those institutions, I didn't necessarily know going in that this was this was the path that I was fully committed to. So I, I chose Loyola based on totally outside factors to broadcasting. I chose it on location. I wanted to go south. I wanted to be near some family. I wanted to be near some cities, you know, two hours from Philly, smack dab in Baltimore, 45 minutes from D.C. So um, I wanted a Jesuit education. My father went to Georgetown. He wanted me to, you know, to, to experience a, a similar college route that he took. So it, it's just funny because it wasn't until sophomore year, I can remember at point blank that I committed to, and I, I already mentioned that senior year of, of high school, I, I was doing the, the PA gig for, for the basketball team, but I didn't know then that, that I was going to go spend four years and beyond committed to this. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just funny how it ended up working out. But having went to Loyola, which is not renowned whatsoever for broadcasting, not saying it doesn't have a good communication program, it's the number one major there. But I, I found out real quick going there that it was going to be an uphill battle because we, all, we both know. Cuse and Northwestern and, and Arizona and, and all those big-time spots, they have years and years' worth of not only alumni bases across sports, but it's it's just renowned. So I like that about it. I think Baltimore's got a, a chip on its shoulder. It's a blue-collar city. I got a lot of that in me as well, and I've tried to really hone in on allowing that to drive me as I make my way through you know, the initial part of my career. So even though communications broadcast is the number one major at Loyola, it may be a different route for you to get on the air. How difficult, or I guess we'll use how easy, was it for you within your first year as a student to actually start getting reps and being a part of these broadcasts? Yeah, I was lucky because they had a place called WLOI Radio, which is their the campus station that I just kind of walked in and started getting reps on. You know, next thing I know, they're inviting us to call a game at, at Oriole Park, Camden Yards, not for the team, not for Major League Baseball per se, but for a local, you know, a local game. I think it was a President's Cup, a showcase for local high schoolers. I thought that was the most unreal thing ever uh, at the time. What you're getting at is where I was going to go. And that was, you know, throughout the first year or two, I started to realize I was looking at the writing on the wall. Yeah, there, there's a lot that I can do on campus, but can I raise it to a new level? Am I going to have to go off campus? And that's what happened second semester, sophomore year, simply because really, well, I'd like to think it was part of, of, of me and my skill set, but I think a big part of it was my journalism professor from the fall semester of sophomore year was the local news anchor. And she kind of paved the way to an internship for me later that spring. Uh, you know, I kind of had to jump through some hoops based on what their rules were for sophomore interning, but I think I think it was worth it. I was able to build a tape there at a. It's the Fox Forty Five, the Fox um, Sinclair Broadcasting is the group, but uh, that was the Fox affiliate here in Baltimore. And you know, I sat right underneath their their sports director, Bruce Cunningham. He's a lifer. He's been there, who knows how many years, twenty plus at this point, I think. So you know, I look back at that, and, and that allowed me to kind of catapult that into the next gig, which was. The following, I guess, fall in D.C., which is what kind of circling back to what I told you why I was most interested in coming down here. You know, I wanted multiple cities. So, you know, we're talking about a top 30 market in terms of television for, for Baltimore. And then D.C., you got to jump up to the top 10. So 
that was that, you know, and, and we can get to the Olympics in a bit. Cause that was the first, that was the first break for me. But in terms of really figuring out that Loyola wasn't built like Syracuse, wasn't built like Northwestern. So I needed to start going off and utilizing some of the things that were around me networking wise. Well, it leans into what you just said there about having the chip on your shoulder, because when you go to these non-traditional, we'll call it schools or the schools that are not known as the alumni base is powerful in the broadcast industry. And I'll just say I relate because I went to a school like Hobart. That's very similar. You might find one or two people who did it, but you have to. And so many people, I hope younger listening to this, you have to go out and make your opportunities. You just can't, even if you have that Ithaca Oswego Syracuse degree, you just don't walk into a place to work and say like, hey, here's my degree, hire me. When your resume shows up when you're 22 or 23, they want to see everything else you did. Like you're talking about, you were very passionate about what you were going to do and you went out and found the opportunities, whether they be internships, part-time gigs, just learning under somebody else. And you already teased it. So I want to get into this. Like one of your biggest experiences in your early 20s is you were able to intern, correct, for NBC in the Olympic coverage in that year? Yeah, that was the first break. You know, it was the summer of, 2016 Rio de Janeiro Brazil and don't get me wrong I had many more declines many more denials from NBC than I have you know yeses and this just happened to be one of them I can remember it getting that call you know it was heck right around now spring of of 2016 and yeah, it was the Today Show. They needed a couple runners, they call them, which is, you know, glorified interns, glorified coffee runners. But to me, you know, you know me, guys, I was going to go there and I was going to do everything I've asked of me, but I was going to find a way to come come home with some tape, you know, and, yes. and in front of the TV. That's what I did. You know, I went there. I met as many possible people as I could. Uh, I enjoyed the experience. Don't get me wrong. You know, we had a fun time in Rio. We busted our you-know-whats, uh, and I came away with some tape. The Olympics will always be very close to my heart. I, I have such an interest in it. Unfortunately, my streak's coming to an end. You know, Tokyo was canceled, obviously, last summer. I'm not going to be able to swing it this summer contractually, unfortunately. It's all about the Ravens training camp and, con and conflicts and stuff. So I'm really – I'd be lying if I told you and sat on here and said, you know, I'm going to be okay with that. It's going to be really hard to see that later this summer. But – I, I'm trying to look at in the big big picture. We'll get back there eventually. And, and for right now, you know, I'm all things Ravens. Well, let's backpedal a little bit because even that idea of getting an NBC internship, a showrunner situation with the Today Show sounds like a daunting task. And in previous episodes, we've had Jason Romano and Alicia D'Addario who work for ESPN who said they just flat out went to the website and they got called. Did you have an in? Did you have somebody that you knew? Did you have a little bit of a, hey, luckily I got this person in my corner. I networked and they helped me. Or did you just go to the website and you got lucky? I've never had any luck from the website. That's for sure. <laughs> um, and I would urge any of you listening out there without a connection, right, to, I mean, don't let that discourage you from applying. But I, I feel like I wasted so much time throughout the years in college and even after just randomly applying, you know, having that cover letter ready to go, changing a few things, the resume's already good, I got my tape, and just applying. More often than not, guys, I don't think the hiring managers are going to even see it. So to me, what's more beneficial and more time savvy is finding a way to connect with somebody in that building, right? 
Find somebody that you're chasing down. If it's 104.5, if it's NBC, if it's WBAL, find somebody, whether it be through LinkedIn, social media, some kind of connection. I don't care if, if, if this certain somebody is in no way represented um, by what you're looking for or is no way connected to the certain department that you're looking for. Just find an in. And who knows, maybe then you start to piece things together. You know, that's how I've, that's how I've always done it. I still believe I'll still do that today. If I'm ready to leave WBIL and I find something else, I will still do that that way if I don't know anyone. Now, the beauty of it is what we've both known throughout the last you know, parts of our career is that it's such a small business that you almost always find a way to know somebody through someone. So that's that's exciting. If you're out there listening, like you put some time in, it's going to start to become smaller. So, which can be a good and bad thing. There's one moment in particular that stood out to me. Maybe it stands out to you. And we're going to show this on our YouTube channel. If you're listening on an audio side, make sure you head over to YouTube. Get in there with Goss. Goss the media has now been rebranded on our YouTube channel as well. Uh, let's take a look at this video involving the legend, Sean White. What's up, everybody? Sean White here. Just hijacked Bob's uh, story to show you this third gold medal at this one. What's up, everybody? Appreciate the love. What happened, Bobby? What is going on in this video involving you and Sean White? Like I told you guys, you know, part of my role was being a runner, being a runner for the Today Show. Well, as you know, the time change is all wax. I think it was like 14, 16 hour time change, something like that crazy out in South Korea. So our shows were at night because it was morning here. And one night I got tasked with, um, a Korean driver who was contracted out by the Today Show. And essentially, I needed to be the liaison between the driver and who we were picking up that night to transport him, in this case, to the Today Show set. After him, he won the gold medal <laughs> in snowboarding, Sean White. I mean, it was, it was, it was unbelievable. He had just just done the unthinkable because everybody thought he was washed. And what's crazy about it too, is that in the hours, not probably not even hours, but in the, in the minutes, moments, whatever, after he had placed and, and become a medalist, that article about him with all the allegations from sexual assault started to resurface on the internet. So all of a sudden I find myself in a van with the South Korean driver, because he knows the roads me as the liaison from NBC who's in the front seat, who's designed and, and tasked with getting him to the Today Show. Sean in the back and his camp. And not only are they balancing out the emotions of him being back on the top stage in the Olympics, but the emotions also with what started to kind of transpire against him controversially. So it was this wild night. Uh, luckily he got it together in the back seat. His camp was a big reason why keeping him together, keeping him composed. And he just basically, what you saw there is, is him taking the, 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 my phone and in, in video selfie mode and, and saying hello. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll never forget that one. I, that was just, 
the timing and the place on that is something I still kind of scratch my head on because I had no idea that I'd be doing that five minutes prior. <laughs> I, I think I texted you after I saw this video. I was like, this has to be fake. Like, there's no, is this cameo? Is this a real thing? And it's true. I, I made sure even before we started taping here that, hey, make sure you send me that Sean White video because I don't think people even watching this a fourth or fifth time are going to believe it's real. Now, look, we've touched on a little bit of your NBC connection as the runner situation, but you kind of hinted at this a little bit already. Your first professional role is on camera for the NBC DC affiliate. Take us through kind of what your duties were with that first job. And again, still very young in your career. You have this opportunity to work in a top three market and be on camera and talk about some professional sports teams in that area. So this would have been November of 2017. Keep in mind, I, I graduated in May of that same year. Also think about how long that six months was for somebody who felt like he did every possible thing to put himself in a place for success upon graduation. It just it didn't happen. You know, maybe or maybe it wasn't the right fit and offer that I had. You know, I had I had a chance to go be the grad assistant for three years and get my MBA at a school in Pennsylvania. I would be their main play-by-play -play guy. I think back now, I mean, this month will mark four years. If I did that, I don't know what my career would look like. I sure don't think I'd be where I am right now. So I, I think the way the chips fell were in my favor, but it took some time and those six months were tough. I mean, I, I, I was working guys at Loyola's admission department just because that was my work study gig. And someone in there who I became good, good friends with, you know, mentor, mentee, sort of said, hey, we know what you ultimately want to do. Come hang with us. You know, we'll pay you like, I don't know, 18 an hour or something like that. It wasn't full time. Part of which they, they still had me living on campus. It was a no brainer. I was caddying. I was broadcasting freelance at Hopkins. Stevenson, local D3 schools around here. So it was a long six months, but I ended up getting that gig at NBC Sports Washington in November. And then, what, a few months later, I'm in South Korea. But that was part of the negotiation process that I went through. They only hired me, dude, as a production assistant. Hmm. Now, that doesn't mean I was, I was doing PA responsibilities. You know, I came in with uh, some, I'd like to think confidence. I hope it didn't come across as cockiness, but I told I told the programming director right out of the gate. I said, "Man, listen, I'll I'll, hi I'll be hired as a PA. I'm happy to. You know, thank you. I'm appreciative of it. But I know I can be on your airways right now, and I know my, the competitive the competitor in me knows that I'm ready to go right now. I have the reps for it. I have the experience for it. Well, I may not have the experience for it, but I know I can compete. So it wasn't long in." that that conversation I'd like to think kind of came back to help me out. He moved me out of production after not even two months. I was in the digital space, starting to write, starting to podcast. I go out to South Korea. I do that digital feature role. They like it. I prove to them that I can do it. And I get back in the spring of 2018 at this point, they named me the host of the nationals podcast. So, you know, it, 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 I did that. It, it was a good gig. Not a great one. I was still making PA money, guys. I forgot to mention that. When they moved me over to digital, when I started to fill in for TV, yes, a top 10 market, I was still making PA money. I was caddying on the side. I was broadcasting freelance play-by-play -play for GW, for Catholic, anything that I could possibly get my hands on. And uh, so you can understand that when 
WBAL came calling in the early summer of 2019, not he, not even having been there yet for two years, that I was absolutely gung-ho on, on taking a close look at that. So, you know. Uh, yeah, and you know what? I just want to yeah, right there. There's something interesting about that because I think you and I both have the same attitude about this, and there's nothing wrong with this attitude, and I hope people understand this. There is nothing wrong with being your own biggest supporter. Like, you have to. No one else is going to go out and say how wonderful you are. Now, if you do enough work, maybe you'll have some people in your corner and you'll be able to build relationships. But you went in there when you're 22, 23, said, hey, I'm a PA, but I can do this. Nobody else might have done that. You did that. And you backed it up because you put the time and the effort and all that stuff in there. I think people sometimes in media get this bad feeling of you don't want to be your biggest cheerleader or your biggest fan. There's nothing wrong with that. If you can back it up and prove it, you know, whether it's swagger whether it's confidence, it's okay to have those things in this field because once you can actually get a microphone and do it, you get to prove it. I kind of look at talk, talk about like sports. Hey, I'm a backup right now, but if you put me on the field, I'm going to make place for you. No one ever shies away from an athlete saying that, but media members have that same type of attitude. I think you and I feel the same way about that. I also want to follow up on this because you are at Loyola and there's the Capital Region connection we've already touched on. Don't you and former Siena Saints basketball coach Jimmy Patos at some point cross paths and build a relationship? Yeah, that's a pretty funny little inroad there because that was at NBC. And Coach Patos, as you know, had just been dealing with his Siena situation. And we know he has Loyola ties. He took the last time they were relevant was when Jimmy Patos was at the helm. Uh, and that was in 2012, 2013 when he took him to the dance. And then, you know, just a few years, I think it was either a year or two prior to that or maybe a couple of years prior when uh, when he ISOed Steph Curry and boxed him one. It was hilarious. That's he, right. held him, he held him to zero <laughs> points, but they lost by like 40 or something. But I love that story. Anyway, yeah, Coach Patsos was hired by uh, NBC Sports as, their, their, as a Wizards analyst. And, you know, I'm still in the digital side of things. I'm in the newsroom one day kind of just cranking out one of those – crappy shifts, you know, four to midnight, six to 2 a.m. And and coach came in and he was kind of doing his, his initial startup day, uh, HR day. And I, I just, I knew him right away. And I said, I got to say hi to him, you know. And next thing I know, he's sitting at the cubicle with me and we're just, we're hanging out, we're chatting, reminiscing on, on the Sienna days. And yeah, next thing I know, I'm literally running his Twitter account for him <laughs> that needed to get started up since he wanted to you know, kind of take a dive into this business. We both know he's made for it. I hope he's going to be calling national games at some point soon. And we are at, we actually may have something coming up. We're, we're uh, a little, little off-the-record thing that he and I are trying to get after locally here. So I'll, hey, hopefully that tease can for to, me. All right, I like it. I like it. <laughs> hopefully that can come to fruition in the next six months or so. But I, hint, hint, it would be me in the play-by-play chair and him in the call. I really hope it. I really hope that comes through. But, but yeah, he's he's turned into such a, a a great friend of mine, and he's in the Maryland area still. He's got a place down in D.C. His wife's great, Michelle. You know, we'll go to Terps games together every once in a while. And a quick story on him, because everybody has a story on him. We were sitting courtside one time. I had no business sitting courtside, guys, but he takes me there. <laughs> it was a Maryland-Wisconsin game, I think. It would have been two Februarys ago at this point, right before the craziness ensued. And I'm just sort of taking it all in. I'm loving it. You know, Maryland, I think, was ranked at the time. It was exciting. And Gary Williams was in the building. I mean, it was just places packed. Cal Ripken Jr. is sitting 
along the baseline, and this is in the warmups. There's only like five or six minutes left. Jimmy says, "Hey, you see him? You see Iron Man over there?" I say, "Yeah, yeah, that's awesome." You know, he's clearly talking to like five or six people. Everybody's coming up to him. You know, I'm not the type of guy that likes to, you know, ask for photos. I just, you know, how it goes. In yeah, this, right. In this business, you know, if you just interviewed somebody, you're on radio row like you in the back would always do. That's one thing. But like, you know, at public functions where you have like rows and rows of people in the Xfinity Center behind me looking, you know, I'm like, I don't, I don't need to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Well, Coach Bastos didn't give a you-know-what. He walked <laughs> right up to Cal and so just takes him right away from his conversation and goes, this guy right here, right here, this guy's going to be the next Bob Costas. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Coach, seriously, we don't need to do this. Hey, hey Cal, give me your phone. Give me your phone. I'm like, oh, he's taking photos right there. I'm like, this is so fitting, you know, so classy. That man owns a room when he walks into it. You're spot on about a broadcasting career, as successful as he was in certain stints in his college career. His true calling for the future, if he wants to do it, is broadcasting, whether it be a color analyst, a talk show host, who knows, a podcast host with the stories he has. He has some type of future in this media situation. So let's continue on with your media journey as well, because now we're going to talk about your current employer. So look, I tell this to everybody, especially when they're still doing this right now. If there's any ever time question you want to pass on because you work for this company, you can always say, gosh, I can't answer that. But let's talk about WBAL. Let, let's uh, begin with how it happened. Was there an opening? Did you get a hint? Take us through the inclination that maybe you might be moving to Baltimore or this job could be a possibility. And, you know, before you even answer that, Bobby, let's do this. For those who aren't familiar with that station, kind of give us a little bit of a background of how big it is and what it means to that area. Before we tell you the story about how Bobby Trossett lands the gig at the flagship station of the Baltimore Ravens of the NFL, I want to talk about one of my favorite people here in the Capital Region, a hustler and now a partner here with Godzilla Media, and that's my pal Connor Lind at Northeastern Insurance. Connor is a broker for the agency representing over 20 nationally ranked carriers. Progressive, Nationwide, MetLife, Travelers, and more. He's going to review your coverages to ensure you and your belongings are properly protected all while saving you some money. Connor makes the process easy and simple. And whether it's your first time with your own insurance or maybe you've been with the same company for years, he'll do the shopping for you. The initial policy set up at each renewal, he'll do a full policy review to continuously make sure you have the most competitive rate and check for available discounts. Northeastern Insurance, located at 1214 Troy Schenectady Road here in the Capital Region, right in Latham. So no need to wait on hold with 800 numbers or call centers or anything else. Work with my guy, Connor. He's going to take care of you. No more reasons to wait. Call my guy, Connor Lind, 518-346-2886, 518-346-2886, or email him, Connor, C-O-N-N-O-R-L, at nemail.com for a free, no obligation quote today. For more of that information, check out our Instagram, Getting There with Gossi. You can find it on my guy, Connor Lind, over at Northeastern Insurance. Now, let's get into the story. How in the world does Bobby land for the home of the Baltimore Ravens? Sure. Yeah, it's the WBAL radio and TV 11 network, essentially. It's owned by Hearst Television out of New York. Again, top 30 market, considered to be the top spot here. It's the NBC affiliate. And again, it's got radio and TV, which is something that really attracted me about it. It's the flagship station of the, of the Baltimore Ravens, formerly of the Orioles. I th- I'm sure they're hoping that when they're, when the O's current deal radio-wise is up, that they would you know, kind of 
clamp down on that and stomp on it. We'll see if that's the case. That's still a few years out, to, at my understanding. But uh, this ties back to, to Baltimore, my Loyola roots, obviously. You know, a guy named Brett Hollander, who currently is a broadcaster for the O's radio network here, had been with WBAL. And during my time at Loyola, I was the sideline reporter at during stretches of time for their men's lacrosse team, which is they're typically nationally ranked. They won the champion. They won the national title in 2012. This, this year they're struggling. But that was kind of my calling. Brett was the play-by-play guy. And at the time, you know, he's got me by about 10 years or so. Really good dude. And we've stayed in touch. When I went down to D.C., we would, again, we would stay in touch. And uh, right around now, I think it was like April of 2019, he called me and he was like, hey, man, listen, a guy named Keith Mills has worked here. He's an institution. He's been here for 20 years. He's been here his whole life. He is Baltimore sports. He's getting ready to semi-retire coming up this summer. And I feel like you would be a good candidate for this gig. Would you be interested? And I said, of course. You know, at that time, I was starting to get a little disgruntled down at down in D.C. I was grinding. I had no balance, no work-life balance. And let's just face it. You know, it was it was it was hard to get by in D.C. with a little bit of loyal loans, with with rent and all that. So I decided to start, you know, throw my name in the hat. Brett helped me out. And and guys, once I realized that it was something that I I, I felt like I could be up for, I did not stop. The pursuit did not stop. It was the relentless pursuit, which is one of my favorite phrases. And I just started going through every little connect, every little relationship that I made, whether it be on LinkedIn that I saw that, oh, okay, Brett, oh, 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 a guy named Pete Medhurst, who's the voice of the Naval Academy. Oh, he's, oh, okay. WBAL is also the flagship station of Navy football. Hmm. I want, Pete's got to know them, right? Oh, let me call Pete. He does. He places a call on my behalf. Brett places a call on my behalf and a few other guys. And next thing you know, you're stringing it together. And this kind of goes all the way back full circle to the first couple minutes of the interview that it starts to get small. You know, the business starts to get small and you just never know how following up on a conversation could come out to, to, to come in your favor. Even having a conversation, having that network. Uh, that networking informational call, whatever that might be. And, and I felt like, guys, really, it was a full circle moment. It didn't, I wasn't hired until July. The process started in April. So it was tough to be kind of, you know, grinding at NBC with the Nationals at that time as their podcast host and also going through this on the side, which is one of the trickier things about this business that you have to do on your own when you're not represented by anybody. So that's sort of how things shook out. And in August of 2019, I was hired by WBAL to be their their lead anchor for Ravens pre half and post game shows six months out of the year. And then in the off season, obviously we're just a couple of days removed from the draft. I led our coverage there over the weekend. But in the off season, you really just do a, a couple shows a month, and you do your morning updates on on the two flagship stations on 98 Rock and WBAL on the radio. So. That's 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 the big long kind of long winded story, you know. You know it is, but I think you're being modest because I I can feel look at my arm, Bobby. My the hairs are standing up on my arm because of the pride I feel in you telling that story, the relationship we had, and to find out the way you made it. And why I'm really getting excited is because you were modest there. I, I hopefully I'm fairly describing this. Even though you got a tip about the job, you were a long shot. 
If we're talking Saratoga Racecourse, Bobby Trossett before the gate opens, you're going off at about 70 to 1 to land this job. And that's no disrespect to you. That's because you're young. You're not really known in the Baltimore market. This is a huge market, a huge station. But what you start to do is you described it. You know, you almost start running the race. You start practicing. You know, if you're a weightlifter, you start doing a few more push-ups and chin-ups and everything else to get yourself in shape. And you slowly start to see your odds go down. And all of a sudden, it's like, all right, I went from this unbelievable long shot. How do I become the favorite? And how, when this race actually ends, do I win this race? And you did all those things that, even though you say that may sound very, you know, this is what you have to do. I feel like a lot of hopefully people listening to that have no idea what you just did and how powerful that is. And it's not just people in the area that you've worked with, whether it's those Baltimore connections or those DC connections. Didn't you go even outside of that circle? Always trying to be modest. But uh, I, I do understand that there were over 200 applicants. And I do understand that there were big shoes to be filled you know, upon, upon arrival. And whether or not those have been filled or not is up for debate by the listeners, right? I don't really care. I'm not going to dive into any of that. That's up for them. But, but I do know that you know, this was something that, yeah, I, I probably look back now almost two years later and maybe take for granted. But you're right. Uh, it, it was it was something that I feel very fortunate. And, um, you know, I felt like I did. I exhausted my resources that I had in front of me, whether they be a reach or not, to put myself in, in a front runner position. I was one of the youngest out there, certainly cheaper than some of these other folks that were applying. Right. We got to get that the economical <laughs> side of the business for for networks. You know, this business is changing. Everybody wants to save money when they can. So I think that was a factor. But I also, like I said, you know, I, I'm going to go in there to any interview and, and talk a big game, and I'm going to try my best to back it up. And uh, you know, having gotten close with with my with my now boss, who was the interviewer throughout that process, I think that made a difference. You know, so it, it it just reminded me so much throughout the way, and it reminds me still now that you just you can never be connected enough. You can never make enough calls. I spent the majority of this offseason, at least the winter months, connecting my you-know-what off with anybody I hadn't spoken to and, and just tried to, to continue to you know, build that rapport, build the network of, of people. And, yes, a small business, but there's always more to do. So hungry, man. Still hungry. No doubt. And now that first time you hit the air, look, this is a, in a radio terminal, he's a flamethrower. Like this is a monster station. You've got big shoes to fill, as you said there. Uh, I know the joke online was that you actually look like Mills, right? Like the son, they actually thought you were his son, right? Yeah. At one point. Yeah, that's hysterical. <laughs> Keith Mills. Keith yes. Mills, his name is. And uh, again, a Baltimore institution to get, I'll get back to your, your question in yes. one second, but one time he came down to Fells Point where I live. And if you've been to Baltimore, it's kind of like near the stadium. It's kind of near the inner harbor. There's water. It's like real vibrant and um, and chill and, and young. He came down here. I'm telling you right now, guys, we hadn't even walked a block. People were stopping their cars and say, Keith. And most of them were women. But <laughs> yeah, nonetheless, like for whatever reason, I get on the station and not only am I getting killed by these listeners. Again, Baltimore's a blue-collar town. They like their people. And if you're unfamiliar and you're not from here, you don't sound, you don't, you don't pronounce uh, the Orioles, the Orioles, you know, with a little bit of O, little bow and O. Um, <laughs> that that's that's not going to sit well with them. And I had to really earn my stripes. But yeah, the, the, the Keith 
the running joke is that I'm Keith Mills' son. They hired Keith Mills' son, and, and he sounds and looks like him. Now, the guy didn't have much hair left, so I'm not sure what people are trying to tell me. But, yeah, that's been the running joke. And people – look, I'm – I've, I've, it's, I know it's endearing, you know, I've, I've, I've welcomed it with open arms. I think it's hilarious. You know? So you mentioned like having to earn your stripes here and because of the pride I have in you and seeing the success that you had, I know exactly what you're talking about here. So early on in your career here, and I want to make sure I get this right because it's WBAL and 98 rock is a sister station or no. Yeah. All under the same umbrella. Okay. So you actually don't debut for WBAL. You go to 98 rock first doing sports and this is where this friction happens, right? Kind of tell us the story of where, you get on the air, and the Baltimore pushback, especially the Rock fans, are turning against you. Bobby, I wanted to go on Twitter and defend your honor. And I know what you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I know you go to war for me, but 98 <laughs> Rock was tough because they're the number one show radio-wise in, in the region, in Baltimore. I didn't know that at the time. I did a lot of research, but there's only so much research you can do sometimes. I missed that, whatever. So maybe I didn't come in with enough of a chip on my shoulder. But I came in doing me, and doing me wasn't what they were used to. Millsy was very informal, very – they can get raunchy sometimes. He was cool with that. He was flexible. He was loose. And I came in as kind of like your ESPN anchor kind of guy that was just very, you know, very divvied out and, and very routine and disciplined and all that. That's been thrown out the window. And we've been able to find our sweet spot, obviously, now two years later almost. But, yeah, man, I mean, it was – they just – they didn't recognize me. They missed Keith, you know, and, and I got smacked in the mouth with it. You know, whether it was social media, hate, the anonymous texting line, which is the bane of our existence, and, you know, just tech people just reaching out to me in general. There was a lot of hate. There was a lot of um, confusion. What's Keith going to do? Is Bobby – is who is this kid? How old is he? Does he, does he have a hair on his you-know-what, to put it what they would say? <laughs> so – you know, between that and just the, the magnitude of, of the position itself, you know, at least in my mind, wanting to, to make a splash in Baltimore, it was tough. It was I had a couple breaking points. I had some stressful, some stressful stretches, but I look back at it now and smile. It's rewarding. Yeah, I know you don't have to hear this, but I think, again, for somebody who's listening for the first time, who's going to be put in that spot like you two, five, ten years from now, it's not personal. Like, again, he's replacing a legend in that area, plus – you are still in your early to mid-20s where so many early to mid-20-year-old broadcasters want to go that route. And I feel like I would have done the same thing where it's like, you know, let's be professional. Let's handle it the right way. You know, if I am too loose with these guys, they could step all over me on the air. I got to defend myself because then I could be like, you know, the joke on the show, which is okay at times. But you got to be a little careful because you're in that role for the rest of your career. Or you've got to kind of stand your ground a little bit. And if you stand your ground... Some people in the radio industry have some of the biggest egos of anybody in the media, so they don't like that side. And I know I'm getting really deep into it, but I know you can relate with me what I'm talking about here, where it's like you don't know the right lane to pick. And that's not unique to you because so many other broadcasters in that field are going to have to pick that lane. And I think you answered it the right way. There's a way you could be yourself and also fit with the show and find that right type of chemistry. Oh, that, that was the biggest challenge. But you're right. You just have to adapt on the fly. You have to understand that you're walking into the powerhouse. You didn't make the powerhouse. The, the, the pavement's already been paved for you. You just got to walk on it. And I walked on it on a, a certain style that they didn't like right out of the gate. And, yeah, they gave me – look, guys, I wasn't only getting flack from the listenership. 
man, I the co-host came after me a couple of times. And that's just how it is. Now I'd like to think again we have a closer relationship, but yeah, I mean it was that was just one of those growing pain things that I needed to understand, look myself in the mirror and and find a way to adapt and go go away from what I knew, what I thought was the best version of myself. So, still might be, but I've learned to be flexible and, and have different layers. All right, we've got a few other questions for you here. Let's talk about the day in the life. Take us through a regular schedule for you now. Monday through Friday, or is it Monday through Sunday? What's a day look like for Bobby Trossett? Yeah, all right, you got to start with the off. We've got to start with in-season, right? So Sunday through Thursday is essentially the gig. You get Fridays off. Now, if they play on Monday, Thursday, in last, in last year's case, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever the <laughs> heck you want to play, Ravens, go ahead. But yeah, I always have one off day during the week because you're working for sun. You're working all day Sunday. So uh, to take you through a game day, you know, the the show comes on about 10 a.m. for a one o'clock game. I lead our coverage with Keith, which is cool. Like I told you earlier on, he's semi-retired. So, you know, a huge he's been a huge asset for me, a huge uh, advantage to have him still around and be in my inner court and, and, and have him as a, really an encyclopedia, somebody who knows Baltimore sports in and out. And um, like most fans do with at, you know, smaller historical towns like this one that have a lot of history, you, know, you, you got to be able to know the stuff that was going down before you were alive with the Baltimore Colts in my case. So anyway, that was very helpful. But uh, we'll go from 10 a.m. right up until kickoff during a game. If it's home in a, in a non-pandemic year, I'll be sitting in the press box. We'll be taking notes. Uh, and then a couple minutes left in the game, we go down into the bottom of the stadium and set up our setup shop for for the post-game show it's right outside the locker room again this did not happen last year for obvious reasons uh, we'll get a couple players players at the game will come and join us a couple times that's been lamar obviously a couple times that's been coach harbaugh so really uh, uh, you know at 24 i was getting a chance to really like i said earlier on have a front row seat to you know the the, the baltimore ravens you know what i like to think is one of the most consistent franchises in the NFL. I think facts would, would back that up over the course of the last you know two decades or so. So um, that's game day. We go until eight o'clock. And then once eight o'clock comes on, the uh, post game's over at that point, And I got to start prepping for the next morning. And that's when it gets really tough in season, guys, especially with a night game, because you're not sleeping very much because we're on the air by five. So although I'm not <laughs> on the air from five to nine, all four hours, you know, I'm doing updates that can go anywhere from five minutes to 15 or 20 twice an hour five to nine so you know there's a lot of compiling that needs to go on there there's a lot of script writing that goes on there a lot of audio compiling audio editing you know the drill so that's uh that's sort of the start of the week during the nfl season and then as you also know the six months out of the year the national football league is in it always rains you know it's just like they rain king that's just how they do it they're the top league in this country. Maybe not the world. It's probably soccer, but nonetheless, in terms of revenue. So, yeah, I mean, it starts to loosen up a little bit in the middle part of the week for the NFL season. But that's that's what I've that's what I've turned into. I've turned into a morning guy who tries to get eight hours of sleep. Doesn't typically throughout the six months of, of the NFL season. And then you find ourselves now. It's a little bit more lax this time of year. You know, we we did fifteen hours of combined coverage, like I was telling you, for for the, the NFL draft. But other than that, you know, it's, um, you know, again, those five to nine hours, but technically aside from trying to continue to, to build the brand on social media, which we're all trying to do, I don't do much from 10 AM on, um, 
Monday through Friday in the off season. I don't work on the weekends. Well, the prep for the broadcast, I almost wanted to share that picture. You sent me via text where we were talking about the NFL draft and you prepping for it. Is your prep, you think, different than other people's? And you touched on like how you prepare for a broadcast. Is it days? How often do you have to actually sit down and be like, look, this is how it's going to go down every single Sunday? No, draft, as you know, requires weeks, I would, I would argue. And in some cases, if you're Mel Kuyper, months, years, you know, that's just how it goes. But uh, for me, I did weeks for the NFL draft. I did that in the form of podcast listening, which is awesome because you can kill two birds with one stone. You could be driving while prepping. You could be working out while prepping. You could be walking around while prepping. I love that. And then, yeah, I sent you the photo on my manila folder. I'm a guy that if you write it in, you're soaking it in. I did that with at least – Heck, probably 50-plus prospects that I felt like the Ravens could potentially be ready for uh, and, and obviously want to bring into their organization. I talked with scouts from the team. I talked with their director of player personnel. Again, I'm talking about the Ravens right now. We recorded with them, which is part of the production value that, that I felt like we really hit home on this weekend so that when a player was drafted – not only were we announcing it live on the radio, but we had analysis to back it up right then and there. So with the 27th overall pick, Ravens went with Rashad Bateman, a Minnesota wide receiver. All of a sudden, I'm announcing, hey, your newest Baltimore Raven, the Rashad Bateman standout out of Minnesota. Uh, Ravens used their first of two first-round draft picks on a wide receiver. And hey, here's the director of player personnel for the Ravens in his own words how he feels, what he feels Rashad Bateman could bring to the Ravens. And bang, we had that ready to go. So I felt like the production value was, was pretty solid. But um, in terms of prep, I'm old school. You know, I think if I ever get a professional play-by-play gig and I'm doing it all the time, I'll probably invest in one of those online rubrics, online formats. But until then, why not just uh, continue to do what works for me? You've done play-by-play, you've done talk, you've done studio hosting. Do you feel like there's one of those in particular that you are better at than the other? Ooh. I love play-by-play, man. I think that's the most reps I have. I think that could very well take the cake. But it's just funny. You know, here I am getting ready for my third season anchoring the Ravens. And I told you last weekend we were texting that there were major storms in Baltimore, wind storms, and BGE was having major. There were 22,000-plus homes down, and I was one of them. And I ended up hosting 10 hours of, of Ravens draft coverage on my cell phone. I didn't have my computer in front of me. I didn't have the TV on, and I was just relying on the Westwood One feed that we had and all the prep that I had done. And and I felt like you know a few people texted me saying, and some of them were family, so it's biased, but they were like, Hey, we never would have known. And so that to me, man, I think I've come a long way when it comes to radio broadcasting, which is essentially studio hosting radio wise. So, you know, I'd like to think that, you know what, guys, my, my big goal is that whenever a gig comes my way, i.e. this one, when I was at a television station and I was being asked and in the running for a radio station, I'd like to think that I've made myself versatile enough and it's not anywhere near where I want to be, but enough that I can be considered for it and maybe even go after it. And that's what you got to do in this business because it's just too competitive not to. Having all these great things you've done now in the Baltimore market and D.C., do you still have fond memories of working in Albany? Now that you've done all this really cool stuff, you're probably like, oh, that guns made me work till 2 a.m. on a Yankee <laughs> game. 
<laughs> As a Yankees fan, you loved it, right? But yeah, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. out in Schenectady when you lived over in Del Mar with John Sterling taking you the distance on the West Coast. You know, yeah, it, go, it goes back and forth on my mixed feelings. But of course, man, I mean, think about how many times I referenced that experience throughout this interview. You know, not only did Armin come back and help me out in a time of need, we, we still remain a relationship. Uh, when you guys, when you were with LeVac, you guys would always have me on, vice versa here and there. I mean, it's just, I'll always look back on it as a, a growing experience, as something that was just a, you know, a, a stop along the journey. So, and plus it was my first like kind of, heck, I was working for the ESPN radio affiliate in Albany. That to me was everything. And, and throwing that in the resume, I'd be lying if I would think I'd be lying if, if that hasn't helped somewhere along the way. Well, the podcast is getting there with Gaz, and who knows, maybe a younger Bethlehem student might be listening or somebody in the capital region, and they want to get to where you are now, Bobby Trossett. What's the best advice you can share with somebody to get where you are right now? Well, first off, I don't have all the answers, but I would love to give you whatever I can. And if you're listening, you know, hit me up. I'd love to chat. Uh, social media, pretty much all the inboxes are open at Bobby WBAL across all platforms. My email is uh, R as in red, F, F as in Frank. My last name, T-R-O-S-S-E-T at gmail.com. That's always an option, but bigger picture, guys. Uh, go back to you know, rewind this thing, essentially. you know, And, and that's basically, hey, you, you got to come in with a chip on your shoulder that no one's going to outwork you. Uh, no one's going to want to get more reps than you. And have thick skin because you're going to get denied more than you are going to get yeses. And as soon as you figure that out, you're going to be able to persevere. What I'm doing right now isn't for short-term gain. It's for long-term gain. If you can nail that into your head, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be easier. I love it, man. Appreciate you spending the time with me. Give a shout out to my boy, Kevin Brown, by the way. If you ever see him at the Orioles game here in the spring of the summer coming up, make sure you say hello to Kevin for me. I hope you enjoyed this. I had a lot of fun doing it. Thank you so much for doing this, man. Keep up the great workout in Baltimore. I'll definitely send uh, your words over to Kevin Brown. He's been crushing the mass in broadcast in Baltimore. And uh, hey, man, I'll reiterate what we were talking about before we went on, just a little bit of it, that I'm just I'm thrilled for you. I hope this podcast continues to grow. And uh, looking forward to doing it again down the road, man.